0: Hey, what's up? It's Christian, and this is Bonefish.
1: Oh, hey, I'm Justin. Welcome back. It's the podcast
0: about psychedelic music and Animal Collective. Yeah, dude. Spirit They've Gone. The reissue is here. It's beautiful. It sounds so good. So, uh, so thick, you know. (laughs) I love it.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it's beautiful. Sounds great. Um... Yeah, we're gonna talk about spirit. They've gone, spirit. They've vanished, and super lucky to get to talk to Dave Portner, aka Av Tear, who's a founding member of Animal Collective.
0: Wow, the man! Yeah, the genius. Sweet. Really
1: cool that he was down to talk to a startup podcast. <laughs> and a fan of the little guy. Yeah. yeah. Plus one for the little guys. Yeah.
0: Holy holy cow! Uh, it was awesome. He was super nice. We talked about early New York days, what his life was like at the time. Uh, some cool methods of uh consuming hash are included and yeah, uh, he
1: He started talking about doing knife hits, and like a cop, <laughs> I asked him what a knife hit was. Um,
0: yeah, you got to listen to find out
1: yeah you should you should listen and then listen to the reissue while you're doing knife hits. <laughs>
0: But uh, yeah, towards the end of the interview, some cool news regarding uh, future Animal Collective musical releases. And then yeah, after the interview, we got to see him play, which I feel like we could have done a whole other interview after that. Yeah, I could have talked to him for hours, obviously, but we had about one. And uh, yeah, here's the interview. Enjoy. All right. Yeah. Uh, thanks so much for taking the time to meet with us. Yeah. Um,
2: thanks for having me.
0: <laughs> welcome back to your uh, one-time home of LA, and uh, yeah, it's cool that we're talking to you here at Stones Throw, legendary LA record label, home to so many great artists, including uh, Madlib, aka Lord Quaz, Also, yes.
2: big yeah. big influence. Big, big uh, inspiration on here. Yeah. yeah. Never been here before. As much as I've liked the all the stuff that.
0: Yeah. Put out. Well, thanks, Colin, and, uh, <laughs> yeah. and folks at Stones Throw for letting us use the space. And yeah, that first Quasimodo record, "The Unseen," it came out right around the time uh, that Spirit came out. Mm-hmm. Uh, could you talk about that time and that album? And yeah,
2: um, I was living in an apartment in Soho, actually, at that time when I guess you could still magically get. Uh, <laughs> Afford an apartment. I was just out of uh, college, um, or I dropped out of college. I was spending my last semester of college there. Just decided to, that dorm living was comparable to that at the time, so just found a, a roommate and um, and we just lived in a studio apartment together. Just kind of you know shared the same room and had a bathroom. And I got a job at um, Other Music, uh, the record store that was in. Um, manhattan at the time and r.i.p um yeah no longer is it uh i you know shopped there and gotten a lot of records there so it was kind of a big deal for me to get this kind of cool record store job and yeah all this all this stuff just started you know awesome music just started coming out at that time and Mm. i had um spent like yeah i guess the last semester of college kind of going back and forth from new york to uh my parents' house in, um, Maryland. Cause we had recorded, um, we'd done all the basic tracking for Spirit the summer before that, that was like 98, mm-hmm. I guess, or 99, summer of 99, I guess, going into, yeah, the, the, the school year, which was, you know, the end of the year there. And I had the job at Other and, uh, yeah, I guess Quasimodo came out at like 2000, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it all kind of like blends together, but I, I just remember like discovering so much music when I was at that apartment and just spending so much time alone, smoking a lot of weed, um, smoking a lot of hash for some reason. Nice. there was a lot, a lot of hash going around. We'd do knife hits <laughs> on the stove. like wait, what's up, a knife hit? Sorry uh, you cook up two knives, you hold a piece of hash in between two oh. knives and get the flame going on on a. Uh, because, you know, you need to get hash pretty hot to uh, uh, to smoke it. And, uh, yeah, you kind of put the hash in between the two knives. Uh, I mean, you can do it a number of ways. It's just not knife cool. hits. You do it with knives. You light up the hash, and then you just kind of, you know, bring it up to your mouth. Yeah. And you often get, we often get burned. You know, oh, yeah. you put the knife <laughs> a little. Definitely like, a badass
0: way to <laughs> do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah yeah.
2: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, yeah, it was, it was an interesting time in getting into New York. You know, like, it was my third year there. I'd gone there for school. And. It was just pre like Williamsburg kind of boom too. Nobody was really. I mean, there were people that lived over there for sure. It was just starting to get going. Um, and um, yeah, I just would go back and forth, mixing spirit. Like, spent a lot of time on the Chinatown bus, you know. And uh, that's kind of it, why yeah. I named. Uh, like there's an EP that I that I that I put out with the reissue that just came out, and that's kind of why I named those tracks like the Bus yeah. Travel in New York, just because that's that was my method of like trying to get it. Yeah,
1: there's uh, some great jams on that. Uh, so yeah, the reissue looks awesome. Like beautiful packaging. Um, yeah,
0: congrats, what your sister did, right? Are you and
1: your sister? Uh-huh, yeah. A little bit of
2: the artwork was taken from the old version, mm-hmm. kind of the stuff I did on the inside. And I think just based on those ideas of what I was going for in there, I just kind of like talked to my sister who does a lot of artwork for animal collective and AV tear stuff. And, uh, over the years, yeah, I just talked to her about doing something, you know, a little bit more kind of like avi-tear, panda bear focused, you know.
1: Yeah, and I know you guys kind of um, retroactively called it an Animal Collective album, and does it does it feel to you uh, like that? Because I know you guys, you know, you guys have been making music together since you were pretty young, maybe before this, and there's always been kind of like a river of creativity does it feel like an Anko kind of release to you? I know that I think the next year is when you guys all maybe kind of got together and made a lot of live live music.
2: I mean, it was definitely made a little bit, it was made more in the era of kind of us still kind of doing our own thing because Mm -hmm. that was kind of just prior to Noah. And well, Brian was going to school in New York at Mm -hmm. the same time too. And then Brian eventually moved into that apartment with me just for a summer that I was in. But Noah and Josh both lived in Boston and were going to school there. So we kind of were still making music in an individualistic kind of way, like doing our own thing, mm-hmm. solo kind of way. Noah had put together a compilation of Panda Bear songs. That was like the first thing yeah. that self-released on a soccer star label. Yeah. And Spirit, for me, was kind of like the way I envisioned it was like my personal kind of statement. Like I had pre- up until then, mm-hmm. you know, just done a lot of four-track recordings and was starting to practice a lot and work a lot on my 8-track that I had, my Tascam 48 reel-to-reel. And so I just had in mind that I wanted to make an, you know, all-encompassing, al- you know, like an album of of just new-sounding stuff, like take my songwriting to a new level. So yeah. it was sort of like my record. I mean, even down to like a lot of like the drum beats and stuff like that, I came up with like the rhythms as I was writing the songs are kind of like go hand-in-hand hand with that. And I would just sort of like beatbox the the rhythm to Noah and be just be like, Oh, you know, like, and then he would do it. And like, nice. I knew he could do it. Cause you know, I, I thought he was such an incredible drummer and uh, yeah. And then he would just take that, that kind of stuff from there and, yeah. and go. So yeah, in, in my head it, it, at the time um, it was, it was sort of, you know, an Navy tear record, mm-hmm. but I think everything that was also the, the time that we started coming up with the whole animal collective philosophy and, and and kind of like mm-hmm. what we wanted to be and i think it was based on more at first like wanting to have a, a label like our own label that was just animal which was the label that we put spirit mm-hmm. out on so it was just sort of like we wanted to create this label that would showcase all of our stuff and different combinations of what we were doing and since and and, and we kind of just came up with the idea at that time that whoever was on the record since we all kind of started coming up with our own individual names at that time too.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: I don't know if Brian and Josh yeah, how how sooner on then they came up with their names. Definitely of course for Brian like happened around Dance Manity. But um yeah, it just seemed to make sense to to, to call it tear and Panda Bear since we were both playing on the record. And I mean, you know, Noah is a very crucial part to the record. You know, it wouldn't yeah. be it wouldn't be anything else without his drumming. And I thought it was so idiosyncratic. Yeah, so it's yeah, kind it was, of like yeah, you could look at it both ways. You
1: yeah, know? I feel like I, I read that Noah was trying to like mimic maybe some or you two some like uh, of Timberland's beats a little bit. Is that-
2: totally. I mean, we that was you know around that time that all those like uh, the Timberland was doing such such a cool production. Yeah. Leah and, yeah. and, and Missy Elliott and all that stuff. And that that stuff is really inspiring to us as well. And I think just, just also, you know, a lot of electronic music, FX Twin, you know, that we, we really liked a lot and, and and drum and bass and Square Pusher, just very kind of jittery, kind of broken up beats. I think I was trying to like emulate too a little yeah. bit, but do it more like organically with like yeah. a drummer. you know
0: That's super interesting because like it does, I, I feel like in retrospect, Spirit does have such like a, sort of like twin energy like a dual like you know you have the artwork with like the two fairies and what's up? yeah I
2: mean with the artwork too that's that's what I wanted to go for the, the, yeah. the fact that it was both of us you know yeah. like with the two kind of like you know angel fairy kind of things like right you know if that was like in reference to like two people being yeah. on the rec- record for yeah. sure for,
0: for his drumming there's a lot of like brushes uh-huh. it's like such a unique I was wondering if that was like a did that come from just like sort of necessity, like DIY recording? No, that's how I wanted I oh, just, yeah. yeah,
2: wanted it to sound like that. I really mm. liked... Um, that was deliberate. Yeah, yeah uh, Ocean Rain by Echo and the Bunnymen. And I feel like there's a lot of brush work on that record. I really like the drumming and just the whole rhythm section of Echo and the Bunnymen has always been uh, really inspiring uh, for me. So, yeah, it was kind of that. And Forever Changes, I feel like it's come up that, yeah, we really liked that record. And I feel mm. like that has a very light, you know, I I had read I think it, it somewhere that they recorded that record like the initial tracking was all done in like a small room, kind of like mm. a I don't know if it was like a bedroom or just like a living room together or something like that. And I yeah. felt like to me it had that I wanted it to have that vibe because totally. you know? yeah. we just recorded it in the bedroom together, like me sitting on a chair and him in right. a drum set like right there.
0: Is that a Pistol Ring studio I saw on the credits? Yeah, I
1: mean, that was just, <laughs> yeah.
2: that was just my bedroom studio for wherever awesome. wherever, you either, wherever, we, it. wherever, I took my A track basically, my Tascam 48, which is what I recorded it on. Nice.
1: And, and how well did you know Noah? Because I know Christian found a quote. Right, yeah, Do you well, want to read it? found a quote it? on, it was a recent band
0: camp thing where some of the other guys in the band kind of go through and talk about each of their records, but there's a quote from Noah. It said, uh, Spirit was the first time I really felt like I was working on music. Up until then, it was casual and loose. They were Dave's songs. We didn't know each other that well, and there wasn't a whole lot of talking. He'd play me a song, say what he was looking for, then we'd go for it.
1: I Definitely thought like you guys had that. already kind of known each sorry. I thought you guys yeah. had known each other already for a while. I was kind of surprised I mean
2: in in yeah, uh, we were I mean, the thing about both of us back then, especially as we were both very shy, yeah, very quiet and reserved. and um, you know, yeah, separately, we both came to be friends because of Josh, really, you know. Um, Josh introduced Brian and I to Noah. um and I think it it was really like at first, it just Josh started playing music with Brian and I in high school uh, in another band that we had. But then, you know, I forget like what the actual circumstance was. I think we played like a a show that we set up at our high school, and Josh and Noah wanted somebody to like play, like help them play some of their songs. So that's when I first met Noah. I played keyboards, I think. Is that Automine? Like with them. Yeah, Automine was the other band that, okay. we, that we had. Nice. And then they had a band called the Cartels that they they called themselves, that, uh, um, you know, it was hard to tell if it was Noah or Josh's songs. It was kind of just like all, all blended together. But I always saw Noah back then as, is. I mean, he, you know, as I got to know him more, like over a short, of time like his songwriting and all that sort of electronic stuff started coming out but like Mm kind of when we first started getting to know each other he was a drummer to me like a really great drummer Uh um so we i would just go over to josh's house and josh kind of they they graduated they were a year ahead of me in um high school and um they took they decided not to go to college after high school ended and just take a year off to figure out what they wanted to do and josh made this soundproof room in his mom's house and I would just go over there um, like oh, so many nights, almost like every night. And we would just yeah jam together and just, yeah, like mm-hmm. no, it said in that quote, it wasn't like we were really trying to work on anything. Mm-hmm. We were just kind of like, it was almost like we would write a song every night or different in a different style and just figure out. How to, how you could do different things. They
1: say a lot of artists kind of, it's like for their first record, it's kind of their life's work up, up to then, you know, and then you kind of get on a schedule and you have to write songs for each album. Were you kind of working on these songs like kind of your whole life or did they come like pretty much like in the few years? The Spirit Song? Yeah, the, sorry, the Spirit Song.
2: I'd say they came like the few years before. There was uh, mm-hmm. there were Penny, uh, Penny Dreadfuls which was originally called penny painting was an auto mind song from oh, okay. from our yeah from our, our earlier band. So I wrote that song when I was like 17 years old. It was more it was way more guitar-y and kind of like Modest Mouse a, a, a little bit, you know? Like I cool. really liked the first Modest Mouse album when it when it came out and that's the yeah the kind of stuff that we all were kind of listening to a little bit amongst other things. But yeah, like I would I would go to these sessions and and no one I would just play music together. We wouldn't really like much else, like go hang out. We did, but yeah, we were both very reserved people. So when we decided to do Spirit, you know, he would just come over. We'd, we'd have like dinner with my family and it would just be very quiet, you know, amongst us. And I mean, we talked and joked around a lot, but you know, we were just, it took us, you know, a, a few years to really like get comfortable you spoke with each to other, the music. To, yeah, it was really mostly like yeah. a musical thing. And yeah, I had, uh, I, I worked at a, a summer camp. In between college, like one one year, and I think that also might have been the year that we started recording. But that I, that was just a very fruitful year for me of like writing a lot of those songs. I think like '98, you know, yeah. was probably when I when I wrote most of the stuff. Most of the stuff, just trying to figure out some new form of long form writing that I wanted to do.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's been so cool to revisit this album. I'm curious when when it came up that you guys would reissue this. Did you, the credits say it's mixed by you. Did you do the, what was your role in like the remastering or the.
2: Um, yeah, I mean, I, the, the, it was just remastered from the original master basically. So yeah, like all the mixing and everything, nothing, none of that had changed for a minute. We, we thought about maybe trying to
0: remix it, you know, stems and stuff.
2: Yeah. Just because there are, um, things that looking back now, I might be like, oh, why did I do that? Like That's interesting. (laughs) You know what I mean? Not that we would have changed that much. I think w- for a second we thought, oh, we could just get this like, per- you know, like perfect version or something. But then both Josh and and I when I wanted Josh to do it, but then it was just sort of like it is the record is what it is. Mm. You know what I mean? It, it-, it would be very yeah. hard to just like re- you know recreate in a sense. It would be like, a different thing. Yeah, yeah, it would be something different. So I think yeah, we- we- yeah. I was happy just to stick with-, with the way it was.
0: When you. uh when it came time to like reissue it and you were re encountering this album, re encountering these songs, what was that like? Or did it feel even like re encountering them? Like I mean it's a record that's two decades old plus. But the other hand, you know, there there's songs that you've written that have been in AC's, you know, catalogue. Was it like like I don't know, when you had to test listen to all the to all the it was, songs It was
2: definitely interesting, you know, going back, like yeah. There's still a very familiar feeling that a lot of that a lot of that stuff invokes in me and takes me back like very easily to certain rooms and mm-hmm. you know growing up and certain samples I used even like go pre you know predate that there's like a sample of my sister talking to me on it and says like David you messed the whole thing up and that's from right. like when we were kids you know and yeah. that just uh, yeah it just like takes me back to but on the other side it's like those songs no yeah they never really went anywhere for me you know what I mean mm. it was all so ingrained in, in, in me it wasn't like I with that one in particular it wasn't like I forgot much about it you know what I mean it was all like pretty yeah, much
0: are you know. like, this is all Yeah. Is there, one, is there like a track from the record that you think back on that's like I don't know the spirit track for you or one that you have exciting memories making or really uh, I mean it was all just pretty you know
2: eye opening and just like wow this is happening and this sounds good and uh, I know Alvin Rowe to me like uh for me just in terms of writing it was sort of like a feat you know what i mean and just like taking things to the next level for Mm -hmm. me in terms of like what i wanted to do with songwriting you know it was kind of exactly Mm -hmm. everything i had like thought of i wanted to get get from music up until that time you know and just like a mixture of classical music and and like psychedelic folk music and, and electronic noise kind of stuff just all coming together, you know? Yeah, I was
1: going to ask you about that because there's a cool like juxtaposition of the class, like elegant piano and kind of harsh noise frequencies. Like were you chasing that sound? Like did you hear that in your head or were you just kind of making sounds with what you had or?
2: I was chasing that sound for sure. Yes. I mean, I was using what I had, but I, that that was like the beauty of making music to me at that, that yeah. at, at that time, it was like I... I had spent enough time trying to copy other people, you know, and 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 trying to figure out how other people did certain things, and was just so inspired by like lo-fi DIY recording and four-track recording mm-hmm. from, from like the indie rock era of like the late '80s, like '90s, you know what I mean? And but also simultaneously, just always inspired by you know like the Beatles and and just you know how they did things and how you know more hi-fi stuff. I just I wanted it all together but i wanted to do my own thing and you know i thought i could do that just by uh using what i had around and just figuring out ways of i just like started working a lot with like feedback loops basically and just like running running gear into itself you know into a mixer and then back into itself and Mm -hmm. i had the sequential circuits we always call it like a very classic piece of gear for us like a sequential circuits delay unit that i use to get a lot of those like sounds out of it and uh yeah, it worked pretty well. <laughs>
0: uh, yeah, so it's cool. cool, like, I don't know, I think maybe for maybe newer fans of you who maybe uh, might have this idea of Animal Collective as, like, a very electronic band, but but really you guys have always, like, written your songs sort of pre-studio, you know, out of the computer with, like, electronics and gear, but it's really like a, you know, an analog enterprise, I guess, or it's, it's something that a lot of the songs yeah, I mean, like happen in the room. Yeah, I mean, it
2: started very analog for me, yeah. especially, you know, I feel like the other guys got quickly into computer recording and that kind of thing. And I, I didn't necessarily just because I had really started on this A track and kind of really stuck with it. And I didn't really keep recording stuff that I would release so much. Maybe I mean, we, we kind of started a lot up until then, like Dance Manity, Sung Tongs. We all kind of started on that A track, you know, and yeah. I, I was content just to. Is that we, we were very influenced by electronic music and Noah, especially like, yeah, br- brought techno into my life and and a lot of like electronic groups that I had never, you know, like the Orb, like, you know, Hell yeah, those were like very early influences, but like Noah kind of brought that to the table, you know. I, I wasn't, I was definitely more on like the rock side of things. I mean, I did like in terms of electronic music, I like more like noise kind of stuff or like. Um, Finesse was like a really big influence for me around the time of Spirit. Mm-hmm. Like, he did that um, single that was like uh, "Don't Talk," "Put Your Head on My Shoulder," and "Paint It Black." And uh, when I was in college, and I heard was that.
1: that en- Endless Summer, or
2: no? It was before. Okay. It was before Endless Summer, which I, I loved a lot too. Yeah. But I think Endless Summer came out like post-Spirit. I think uh-huh. it was really, really that single and like the. Um, right on. I forget what the label is called now that all that all that stuff was coming out on. But yeah, really, really changed, you know, changed my way of thinking in terms of sound. Just being able to use Sonics and electronics.
1: Yeah. Well, I think the cool thing about you guys is like what you took from electronic music and you kind of applied that to a lot of organic sounds. You know, kind of the repetition. You know, like you guys are really good at that and.
0: It's also cool too how like you're taking from electronic music and those kind of things. It also like through your music it gives back to it. Like I remember when the reissue was announced, I was just like looking on Instagram and one oh tricks point never. He just commented like, you know, this was a an amazing record that like changed my life mm. forever when I heard it. And that was cool seeing that cross. Nice. Yeah, yeah yeah influence
1: is this kind of, um is this the beginning of like maybe an archival period for you guys or is there anything more in the vaults I mean we have tons of stuff
2: in the vaults but definitely nice. I mean it's, it's just like it's always a matter of time and and, yeah. and what else we're working on at the time but like you know I've been wanting to do the spirit thing for 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 a while now and it's just you know of course like you know the pandemic and quarantine kind of yeah. put a hold on things and it would have you know it would have been nice to do it like when it's proper, kind of like 20th anniversary or whatever. But, right. you know, things just yeah. get delayed and go by the wayside. And after a while, it's just like, it doesn't matter to us. You know, we'll just kind of put it out yeah. whenever. And like things don't have to be like perfectly timed or, you know,
0: well, yeah. people seem thrilled. <laughs> but uh,
2: <laughs> we definitely have a lot of stuff and other, you know, obviously a lot more anniversaries that will keep coming because we have a lot of records that we, you know, so yeah, I think we will. Oh, like, sweet. Be able to do some other cool stuff.
0: yeah yeah yeah, i mean congrats on the reissue and on sevens and yeah we've we've been super digging that record we're both going to the show tonight very excited yeah i feel like you know what a great time to be a animal collective fan there's like you're doing records panda bear's doing records you guys are you know two decades in and still doing band records like yeah i mean that's
2: what we do at this point you know so it's like even when even when i think in my mind like oh it'd be good to take a break or to stop it's just sort of like but then i have this other idea i work on or we got to go back to that and let's work on that now well know? yeah
1: i was wondering about like how you feel creatively now like when you wake up in the morning like what are there specific like sounds or textures or gear at this moment that's really kind of intriguing you or uh
2: uh yeah i mean right now i feel like i've been in in the tour mode you yeah. know what i mean and uh just using some sequencers, you know, a lot of uh, electron um, stuff
1: mm-hmm.
2: to uh, to to help me get through the set or, you know what I mean, to put this set together. And then, you know, when I start doing that, then I'm I'm always inclined to, like, work on the new stuff, you know, and just be like, oh, I could put this new little jam. I, I kind of have held back on this tour just because I I wanted, the like, the set to be strong, and, you know, I, I, I was mm-hmm. definitely, like, working on some other new stuff too. I have one new song in the, uh, in the set and I'm not really sure. I'm just, I'm, I'm in a place right now where I feel like I don't want to, um, I have ideas for like new records and that kind of thing, but I'm also mm-hmm. like wanting things to just kind of like build organically on their own and come to me mm-hmm. and not like, I, I feel like I've been jumping so, so quickly into one record from another for the past like three years or so that, uh, I'm looking forward to the time of just sort of like experimentation a little bit and like really finding a new, a new a new place beyond where where I've been or something.
0: Like that. Mm, I don't know. <laughs> nice. Did Noah turn you on to like electron workflow or had you been doing? No, so I I
2: uh, I got the um, mono machine kind of like when I was working on my record down there, my first solo record, oh, and nice. I just like read a few things about it. I read I read that Timbaland had used it. I, I think I stumbled upon a used used version of it and just immediately yeah it was a good price and i immediately bought it and just fell in love with it i like it's so organic yeah the workflow was really easy with it and uh you know easy to dive into and it's not like one of these machines where it's like there's tons of different banks you have to get into to get to that to change things around i feel like it's very user-friendly so yeah i liked it in that sense and used it for down there and then i heard about the octatrack coming out and I got that so I could go on tour for down there and put my tour together. And it worked. It's very complicated. It was very complicated and I found it well. And that was around the same time I feel like Noah started using it to the Octotrack. And of course he's like used it like, you know, far more extensively than I have. I, I sort of backed away from it a little bit just because I felt like I didn't really, yeah, I didn't really need to. It wasn't, you know, kind of important for what I was doing at the time. Or I was also focusing a lot more on Animal Collective Mm-hmm. I guess at that time, and that was like our Centipede Hertz era, and it was much more like band focused. So it was yeah. kind of like, I, yeah, I'm not going to be using, like I used it a little bit. And then I went back to it for painting with and used it a little bit more for that, but like yeah. not only, only for like in a very simplistic way.
0: Yeah.
2: And now I got the Digitect, which I'm which is like a simpler version of the Octatrack yeah. basically, and just much better for my live, my live
0: workflow. Oh, sweet. Um, speaking of live shows, did you and Noah play shows before Dance?
2: Like Did you guys ever Spirit? tour
0: for Spirit at all? Or? No, no, no. We played one
2: show as Campfire Songs, which was the record nice. we put out. Yeah, we started in that same era of me having that apartment. Brian, uh, Noah, and I just started doing these improv jams, you know, with acoustic guitars mostly and small percussive instruments. And we had a DX-27. That we'd uh, put through our stereo that was in the room, and just kind of like to create atmospherics and stuff like that, and just mess around with it, and you know, create like background textures that we could do while we were playing live. And it was really just working on playing live together, you know, and like trying to figure out like how we could play live, I guess. And at that time, yeah, we had friends that were playing shows around New York, and they asked us to if, it, if we would open up. They knew we were playing. I think Spirit was out by that at that point, so. Th- they asked if we'd do a show. We weren't really doing much live, but uh, we decided to do this one campfire song show. So that's like, yeah, that was just Noah and I playing acoustic guitars and kind of doing what would kind of, I guess, become sung tones. Love anywhere. those
1: songs. Those are great.
0: Well, maybe we can talk about the EP a little bit. A Night at Mr. Raindrop's Holistic Supermarket. Uh, what a cool little like time capsule to include with the reissue.
2: Yeah, I mean, I, 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 I can be pretty precious about In the past I've been pretty precious about stuff like that and been kind of like, that's not, that's kind of off limits to, uh, you know, for so long that was like stuff that was only for like Animal Collective Ears only, maybe a couple other like close friends that I, that I would ever want to play stuff for, but like they were my main, those guys were my main audience for so long and I'd just be like, I did this, listen to this or check out this and then never play it for anybody else and just kind of put it in the archive. And so, essentially, those to me are like demos mm-hmm. in, a, in a way, you know, and and obviously not something I ever thought I would I would release once I kind of w- moved on to Spirit. I was like, all right, those were mm-hmm. kind of just like me finding my way to like mm-hmm. what I wanted this sound to be. But now I'm kind of like, ah, oh, it's cool to yeah, like. Yeah, well, thanks <laughs> for including it. I mean,
0: it's really cool hearing the you know Alt la repet mm-hmm. version. Is that like a pre band? Yeah, that, like there? I said, okay. that
2: was more of like a demo, just yeah, to be know. like how will this song sound, how do I want this song to sound, like, you know, and I, yeah, just played it for Josh, really, at the time, was, and probably Josh, Noah, and Brian, I don't know.
1: I love yeah. the uh, Demented cover of Dreams. Uh, demented, right? <laughs> in, a good, in, a, in the best way possible. <laughs> no,
2: no, I mean, everybody's got their own perspective, you know. Um, yeah, to me, it's just kind of like, it was a song I liked, you know what I mean? Uh song, that like I grew up, you know, with my... With my mom and 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 my older siblings, just being really into 70s kind of light rock and Wings and Fleetwood Mac, so that was kinda, that kind of stuff was a big part of my upbringing and getting into music. So totally,
1: same, yeah. song
2: I just liked a lot. Nice.
1: Yeah, <laughs> I, I grew up in a household that was heavy into Fleetwood Mac, um, and then I got like really deep into like Lindsey Buckingham. And I mean, I feel like your music kind of reminds me of him. Oh, uh, cool, sometimes. Cool.
2: Yeah, I mean, like definitely over the years. Um, Got more and more into yeah his solo stuff. And, yeah, he's and, got some and, weird stuff. And just like, there's there's just good songs on every Fleetwood Mac Re- record. I think you know totally. Really.
0: Yeah, and then the bus tracks you mentioned, you said you were riding the bus back from Baltimore to New York, and mm-hmm. is that where he made those, or that was kind no of no by no, those no trips? It's just sort
2: of like that. Yeah, it's yeah, just sort of like, you know, maybe mimicking what's go- what was going on in my head at that time, just this sort of like. I feel like there are a lot of location uh, recordings in there, like me, yeah, like in, a, in grocery stores and just like sampling myself talking and that kind of thing and just collaging. And that yeah. was, yeah.
0: And what would you use at that time for that? Like a, like a, uh, uh, either a mini disc okay.
2: or um, probably, yeah, like we used a mini disc with these little microphones that we had. I think Brian and I both had them. Uh, I think we all might have had one. I think I probably used a cassette recorder too, just like a little dictaphone kind of thing.
1: <laughs> Very cool. Do you guys ever feel like you don't get enough credit for your lyrics or because you just kind of create this like wall of sound sometimes? Yeah, and-
2: sometimes. And I, I, you know, I think more and more now people are kind of like starting to talk about it. Maybe because I've started mm-hmm. saying that I feel like we never, oh, we never really get credit. I don't know. Uh, I feel like I've said it lately, maybe, but I think, uh, you know it's at certain points like even like yeah, going back to spirit like I would not maybe have not had said at the time or for years after that the lyrics were very important to me you know or I mean it all has like deep meaning but I mean or not important to me they're important to me but maybe important to the listening experience mm-hmm. I feel like I've always wanted to just like uh, y- you know invoke imagery and kind of like it be more of this kind of like visceral experience mm-hmm. for people that you know you can sort of give or take the lyrics you know let them let them do something for you or or not you know like focus on something else and i think i think it's probably because yeah so often there's so much going on yeah. in an animal collective song it's kind of like maybe you don't think about the lyrics or maybe you don't pay attention to them and certainly for our early stuff they were pretty buried in the mix often so it wasn't even really that important to me that you you catch every lyric because a lot of the also a lot of the music that i was inspired by at least in terms of like songwriting like I, I couldn't understand like something like pavement or something like I couldn't always understand all the lyrics and I kind of liked that you know Yeah,
0: it's like a second layer it's like there if you want to go digging for it. yeah, think,
2: yeah. and it's like kind of becomes like work too you know what I mean like kind of like it's a, this other side of like the listening experience it's like oh no I'm gonna like focus on the lyrics you know and, and try and figure out what that's all about and what are they saying you know yeah. and, and that was a side of it that was totally different than just like getting you know being affected by this music and the song
0: yeah does it still I mean for a lot of singers and songwriters lyrics you know sort of the melodic shape comes first and then you know they kind of find words how, how are lyrics coming into the
2: is yeah I, I feel like the the song structure and the melody always comes first for me yeah and there's certain I feel like there's just always certain words that are like a word that fits for me. Um, that works in the rhythm of the way I want to deliver a song or or like immediately will pop into my head as like that's the phrase that should be there. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's a phrase that might, might not make much sense. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But like that sometimes that matters to me and sometimes that doesn't matter to me. Yeah. You know what I mean? I feel like it's more about the... The power of the delivery and like the melody and like what's said and how it's delivered to me than like what is actually being said and then other times it is it is very important to me so i kind of like i go back and forth
0: yeah if we're talking about spirit it's it feels like so many of those songs are these stories epic tales like april and the phantom or you know these things that it feels like they have such like rich backstory and
2: what i really liked and still like but especially at the time like just You know, like, short stories and fiction and horror fiction and sci-fi and fantasy and folklore, Grimm's fairy tales, like, all that kind of stuff just influenced me a lot. I just, they they all I kind of wanted it all to be, like, very fairy tale-esque, you know, Um, so that's where that was going. But then have it sort of tie into my life and how Mm. I felt about being the age that I was. And I feel like Chocolate Girl, for example, has a lot to do with, like, like a family lineage of, like, my mom and my sister and my mom's mom and just sort of, like, getting older and having mm-hmm. a daughter and, yeah, like, that kind of thing and just then create, like, this sort of fantasy kind of situation out of it that's not really my family, but, yeah, yeah. something else.
0: <laughs> Sweet. That's so cool. For the instrumentation, I know there's, you know, feedback, mini-disc and stuff, but you're playing guitar and then mm-hmm. keys and stuff. There's one kind of, like, high-keyboard in a lot of the songs, I think of like the beginning of Chocolate Girl, like that little,
2: the little hook. Mm-hmm, a lot. Most of it's the Juno, Roland Juno 60. Oh, sweet. This is my, probably my favorite keyboard of all time. Yeah. I think it's mm-hmm. just, uh, I still have the one that I, I used on that. And I've toured with it on Animal Collective. And I toured with it on the Meriwether tour for for a while until it broke. Um, and then I just realized how hard it would be to get something like that repaired on tour. <laughs> I think we were in Israel actually. Oh man. And it was just kind of like forget about it. So after that, I was like, all right, I'm never taking that on tour again. Oh. And I'll just like figure out a different way to make those sounds if I ever need to. But I still use it, you know, I still have a good time like coming up with new sounds for it. And I, yeah. well, for some reason, I just always go back to that. I try and not use it as much anymore. Just because I feel like I've used it so much, but yeah, the, most of that is
0: the Juno sixty. That's cool. When did you get that sixty? Did you? I ride? got it in
2: ninety eight. I, I believe it was. I got it like shortly after I moved to New York. Cause I felt there was a synth store there that had all these old synths that I just kind of walked into the store and I was like, "What? Whoa! This is nothing like this in Maryland, you know?" Sweet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because we like when we were kids, we uh, or when we were in high school, we Brian. And this, uh, our friend Brendan Fowler, who was like a drummer that we played with at the time back then, they both independently like fell into having. Uh, uh, Brendan got a Moog Prodigy, um, just from a from a a camp he went to, or or no, at his old school they just had one in the closet, and he was like, "Can I have that by any <laughs> chance? If it's just sitting in a closet?" And they were like, "Sure, yeah. take it." So we just have this original like Moog Prodigy, you know, keyboard that we used for like a lot of like a lot of early just our high school band basically we That's had awesome and Such then, a sweet
0: spot of like yeah post 80s like late 90s probably no one really cared yeah about that and then stuff. brian
2: went to a summer camp and a similar situation realized in the closet there they had a roland sh1
0: wow mm.
2: yeah which that that keyboard we ended up using a lot more um just because brian you know stayed in animal collective so we used that a lot on uh dance dance manity like a lot of the filters on the vocals and stuff like that. And like the little keyboards on that are yeah, all. Yeah, because it has like the audio form. in,
0: right? You can use the yeah, yeah. On it. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, Sweet. we
2: got really into like doing stuff live with that. And that kind of like was a, a big part of the sound of Dance Manatee and Here Comes the Indian. ARC, no, let's go. ARC, yeah. Um
1: I'm gonna ask kind of a bummer question, but <laughs> there, there's been a lot of talk uh about AI these days. Mm-hmm. I'm sure you've heard. um <laughs> Yeah, I see,
2: I, it. I see it coming around.
1: Yeah, and I guess, you know, we're, I guess we're kind of at the point of no return, which is pretty depressing. But I guess kind of the contrarian's take would be, you know, maybe one day we're going to look at this and it's going to be like looking at the advent of the guitar amp or a sampler and it's just going to become a part of like everyday life. Is there any way that? AI in music can be subverted and used in like an interesting or creative way? I mean, what do you think about that? Is it possible? Have you guys thought about this?
2: I mean, in in a sense to me like it's not really that different than say you know, the creation of like the guitar you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. In a way it's just sort of like if put into the right hands you know, I feel like something amazing could happen. I, I feel like in in a way, it's cool to think about like a music program or or a platform that just is tapped into somebody's head. That's just sort of like what what kind of song do you do you want to create? I feel like the trouble with it is
1: mm-hmm.
2: is most people and this I don't I don't this is just naturally like how I feel like most people are. It's not like a, a slam on anybody, but I feel like most people would be like, "Oh, I want to hear Oasis songs." You know what I mean? And so AI is going to create Oasis songs. But if there was a way to like, which I feel like is like um, the important thing about imagination is just sort of like developing your own kind of like, what is, what, what is the kind of music that anybody, you know what I mean? That any individual would make that would be like their own kind of music. You know, yeah. I feel like it would be cool if AI, you know, could be used in that way to tap into somebody's brain to be like, this is, this is my music, you know what I mean? And, yeah. and then just create that. But I feel like the negative side is that it is like most of the time it's going to be like yeah, yeah. cheap copies right. yeah, yeah like a, yeah.
1: here's a Drake song like, yeah yeah and
2: I'm not not knocking Oasis either right right you no know, you know, yeah totally band, but uh, just you know yeah, I, I said Oasis just because uh, like somebody played what? me like a, an AI like Oasis record how did basically. it sound? Oh, really I mean to me <laughs> like the way I put it was it sounded like when like if you're in a practice space like practicing next to, like, a really bad Oasis cover band. Yeah. And that's, like, that's the, the filter yeah. that you're getting
1: there. Yeah. Like, imagine if you guys asked the AI to do a cover of My Girls in in the vein of Dance Manity, and then you guys sampled <laughs> that. Or something. I don't know. Like, yeah, right? I like, think exactly. <laughs>
2: Yeah, it could be. I I think it was Brian Eno maybe that said, like, the technology of today that everybody slams is also like the technology that everybody goes back to and covets, like, Mm. CD, like, digital skipping and stuff. Like, everybody's into that now, and Mm. it's always, like, there's stuff that comes out that everybody thinks is so negative, but then people will go back to it and be like, the faults in that are, that's what makes it amazing. And
1: if you you want to get, like, kind of, I mean, real trippy, I mean, AI is a human creation, you know, so... Yeah. I guess a small small human aspect to yeah. it, but Ryan <laughs> you know Brian
0: Eno was pretty critical of uh, NFTs, I think. I wonder if he'll come back around. Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> what do you feel like is missing in music or what's something you really like in music these days?
2: Um what I always feel like starts to be missing in music is just sort of like the faults and sort of like, yeah, like the, the happy accidents mm-hmm. and when things just start to become too perfect you know what I mean? It just starts to get boring to me and I I, I feel like what I feel like we were trying to do with like stuff like Dance Manatee or Here Comes the Indian or Arc. sorry, it's hard to not call it that because it's ingrained in my That's mind. But, uh, it was just sort of yeah, break things apart, you know what I mean? And the structures. I just, you know, I, I value new structures and I feel like mm-hmm. it's, yeah, I just, I feel like I get bored when I start to hear the same 4 4 tempos and guitar, mm-hmm. indie rock kind of thing. I mean, it's fine. You know, people like enjoy that kind of music and it's, it's, that's fine. And I feel like people should have a good time. And I'm not, I don't want to knock anybody for playing music, you know what I mean? So totally. I think it's a beautiful thing. But uh, at the same time, it's like, I just, I'm interested more in things getting broken apart and different structures and yeah, just becoming non music almost. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Mm
0: Well, you know, I feel like spirit, you know, sets forth that aim clearly and accomplishes it. I'm curious. I mean, I I feel like you've, you know, you seem like you've had a very similar outlook all along when it comes to art, art making and music making. But I wonder if, if the Dave of 1999 and, 2000 about to release this first album of yours first proper album like we i don't know were you as stoked then was there any like fear about releasing music especially something so experimental was there uh, any- i mean
2: we, we we just wanted anybody who would listen to listen that was like yeah that was all we wanted from from high school from when we started you know our first bands to we uh I felt like we we always kind of believed in in what we were doing, you know, in our little group, but we we understood too. We were just a little group and we were quick quickly you know, disheartened like sending music out and just getting responses back. They were just kind of like, yeah. It's okay, you yeah. know, or like, <laughs> you know, we should listen to other stuff that's out there, you know what I mean? You know, just like not no interest or but we also got a lot of really good advice back that time and 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 it was really helpful from musicians that we we really respected and it it just kept us going and I think uh I feel lucky in that we just sort of developed a group of peers and friends that kind of believed in us and like mm-hmm. showed interest in what we were doing and 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 it started small for us and and never really like you know took off and I so I never really yeah I just I just was taking it step by step I never thought I would it's not that I didn't think things would happen, but I just never thought like, "Oh, I'm gonna live. Off, I'm gonna be able to live off this." Or I just, it was always just, you know, goal achieved if like another person was like, or another record store would would buy a few copies of the record and put it up for sale. You know, it just was like an, an, another step in a positive direction for me.
1: We gotta ask. Um, is there anything you could say about? Um Future Animal Collective music.
2: Uh, I mean, yeah, I don't. It's always a, it's always a tough thing with yeah. stuff, just because of like how labels cool. uh, like to to put out music these days, or at least our label. Um, you could be, be cryptic. <laughs> yeah. um, I mean, we have a record finished, and uh, it will come out this year, hopefully. Hell yeah. Um And uh, we are trying, hopefully, to put out at least a, a song from from the record in in the next couple months yeah
1: exciting
0: nice well dave thanks so much man yeah. for taking the time and yeah uh congrats on the new record we could have we could have had a whole other interview about sevens and your solo stuff but I oh, yeah. thought oh, for good. today we oh, could yeah. focus on spirit yeah so. yeah no
2: totally it's cool it's i haven't good. done and i haven't really done any 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 press on the on the reissue so right on yeah well,
0: i so cool yeah
1: I, I guess i'll just say uh one of the cool things about art is it'll make you want to make art and create and I feel like listening to your music makes me wanna make art so thank oh, you. Thanks. Man. Oh
2: yeah. I like your Baltimore El Salvador.
1: Thanks. <laughs> they're like really good this year. Oh are they? Everyone's That's like on. So un- everyone's like under thirty and like yeah, looks I like did. they're from the eighties. <laughs> <laughs>
0: do you do a horse large Baltimore band? Oh yeah That's it for this week, guys. Thanks again for listening. Special thanks to uh, Colin Davis, the folks at Stone's Throw, and Kenny Becker for helping us out with this episode. Uh, we're having a bunch of fun doing this. If you are digging it, tell a friend, won't you? Or, you know, throw us a rating, throw us a review. Uh, hit us up on the Instagram, Bonefish Pod. Thanks, guys. Until next time.
1: Sorry, I didn't mean to knock your dream's cover as demented as <laughs> I, oh, no. I am. I'm,
2: like, I'm used to it, believe
1: me. Yeah,
2: that was a compliment. making demented music for
1: years. So that's a compliment. <laughs> no, 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 for me it's a compliment. Hell yeah, yeah, dude.
2: Bone fest.